did any of you make any resolutions for 2022? You know, lots of people do, and usually by January 2nd or 3rd, they've already broken them. (laughs) Uh, I don't really bother making New Year's resolutions anymore. Instead, what I try to do, and I'll do that probably when I'm able to be in my office on Tuesday, I'll I'll sit down and I'll I'll start writing things down. Um, And what what I'll write down are things that I remember from this past year, try to improve on myself for this next year and doing some different things and and things like that. But um, how many of you remember the old Nancy comic strip? Okay, so some of you do remember. I don't know if you've seen this one or not, but this is pretty funny. Nancy is sitting at the table writing, number nine, be nicer to people. Number 10, eat only healthy food. Number 11, share with friends. She is all the way down to number 28, which is stop being pushy. And she writes number 29, cut down on sweets. Number 30, be less critical of others. Well, sitting next to her is her friend Spike. Remember Spike? And Spike asks, are those New Year's resolutions? And Nancy replies, it's that time of year again. And Spike says, I'm impressed. These are really good goals, but do you think that you'll be able to keep all of them? Nancy replies, why should I? And she hands them over to him and says, these are for you. <laughs> wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be something if, if we could write New Year's resolutions for everybody else, you know, instead of our own self? <laughs> that would be much, I think that would be much easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, I don't know how many of you remember the Calvin and Hobbes cartoons, but there was one that was run in the newspaper about this time of the year, around New Year's, and Hobbes, uh, that's Calvin's um, stuffed tiger, asked the question. He says, did you make any New Year's resolutions this year? Um, Calvin becomes unglued. I don't know if you saw this or not. He, and he starts to shout. He says, no, I'm fine just the way I am. Why should I change? In fact, I think it's high time the world started to change to suit me. I don't see why I should do all the changing around here. If New Year's resolutions, if it, if, if the New Year requires resolutions, I say it's up to everybody else, not me. I don't need to improve. Everybody else does. And Calvin finally takes a breath and he asks, how about you? Did you make any New Year's resolutions? And Hobbes, with this flabbergasted look on his face, says, well, I had resolved to be less offended by human nature, but I've already blew it. <laughs> you know, um, we've stepped out of 2021 into 2022. And it's just another day for me. You know, I don't know about you. But from many angles of life, people are looking with great hope for this year to be better than last year. Uh, this past year was a pretty rough year. I think for a lot of people, for a lot of families. But here's one thing I'm going to say to you. 
Don't ever, ever say that it can't get any worse than that. Because once you say that, it's going to happen. It's going to get worse. Many of us will strive to make this New Year's more productive in, in a couple areas. And I, wanted, I was thinking about this. Um, one of those is uh, to become a, have a greater reliance on the economy. In other words, we will rely on the stock market, the almighty dollar, to make or break us. And, and you know, that's nothing new. A lot of people, a lot of people do that. They, they put a lot of reliance on the economy. Well, we know that the economy this year tanked big time. I mean, the worst in probably 40 years. Second is, you know, there'll be a greater attempt in trying to juggle personal and professional lives. You know, one of the, one of the greatest hotcakes, I think, that at least, at least it used to be, now it's not so much anymore because we have computers, we have lap, we have our, our daytimers or the, 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 the tablets and the phones that have the daytimers in them, but daytimers used to sell like hotcakes around this time of the year. But we have those things now to keep our schedules intact. But in reality, um, neither of these two areas will provide what we really need or want the most. You know, how do I know this? Well, because last year I thought, you know, maybe a little bit more money and maybe a little bit more time will do it, and it doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. What we need, with no doubts about it, is what I believe the prophet Jeremiah calls for. Here's what he says. The prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 21, this is what he says. And unfortunately, we don't have the thing here. Chrissy was not able to have the laptop. She wasn't able to do that, and I apologize for that. But um, uh, we will have that up and running again next week. But Lamentations 5, and I'm going to just share this with you, 521 says this. Jeremiah says, turn us back to you. Do you hear that? Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old. Renew us. Renew our days. I like what he says there. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old. A a year of renewal in God, I think, is something that is desperately needed. We have to have hope somewhere. And I think a renewal in God is desperately needed. Not another year of trusting in economics or political parties or Dr. Fauci or ourselves. We don't need to be trusting in those things. What we need to be doing is we we need to renew ourselves in the Lord. That's what we need to be doing. Because I think that's why we're in the mess that we're in. Because we're trusting in too many other things and not Him. A renewal, a renewal of turning back to God is what we need. So the question that I have this morning is this, is how can we accomplish that in this coming year, the year 2022? Don't you go into the new year with high hopes? Do you stop and think about that? Like, okay, what am I going to accomplish this year? How much weight am I going to lose? That's the first thing that I think about. How much weight am I going to lose? You know, um, what, what can I do to spiritually improve myself? You know, all those things, you know, so there's high hopes there. And so how can we accomplish renewal in God this year? 
I'm going to share with you this morning three ways that we can renew our lives in the Lord in 2022. The first way is this, by renewing your mind. By renewing your mind. The second is by renewing your strength. Your strength. And the third is by renewing your steadfastness. And we're going to talk about those. First one I want to look at is we renew our life by renewing our minds. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn, we're going to be looking at um, several different scriptures again this morning, but I want you to turn to, to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at that for a minute. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what, here's what Paul has to say to us. This is probably a pretty popular passage of Scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, did you get that right there? The only way that we're going to be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, is by the renewal of our minds. And so the word renewing comes from this root word, which means to what? Another re, it's restore. It's, that's what it means. The word renewing means to restore. It carries the idea of, and some of you really like this because some of you watch all these shows that fixer upper or, you know, those, it's, it's, it's this concept of, it carries with it this idea of renovation. And we all know that the mind is the gateway to the body. And the old saying is so true. Garbage in, garbage out tells how our minds need renovating. It, it's this concept of restoring, renovating. For you see, the mind is incredible. We can store and retrieve information in our minds that I think can far outweigh or far exceed even the computers that we have today. Let me compare the mind to four things that many of you are familiar with. I believe that the mind is like a garden that could be cultivated to produce a harvest if we desire to. It's like a garden. I think that the mind is like a workshop where the important decisions of life and eternity are made. I think that the, the mind is like an armory where we forge the weapons for our victory or our destruction. It can go either way. It depends on what mind you want to have, the mindset that you want to have. And the mind is a battlefield where all the decisive battles of life are won or lost. It's in the mind. It, it really is in the mind. Um, I know so many different people who, who could be so much more, but they are already defeated because they can't get past themselves. And that's a shame. The mind alone is so valuable and so precious. Here's what Solomon warns us in Proverbs 23, 7. He says, as a man thinketh in his heart or in his mind, so is he. As a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. 
The mind is so valuable, it's so precious, but our minds become even more valuable and more precious when we give that mind to Jesus Christ in service to Him. Wow. It becomes even more valuable. <clears throat> our minds become the threshold of, for thinking and acting in the capacity as Christ did. Don't, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're, our goal should be? is to have the mind of Christ, to to live as an example of who Jesus Christ is? Isn't that what it's all about? Then why aren't we doing it? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16b there, he says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Paul goes over and he, and he says... This is probably one of my favorite scriptures here because I love the book of Philippians. But the Apostle Paul also reminds us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, let me read that again. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, if you want to follow along. I'm sorry, I tend to get moving quickly and I don't. I need to repeat this for you since we don't have them up here. Philippians 2, 1 through 5, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. He goes on to say, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That can also be translated as your mind. Your mind should be the same as Christ Jesus. Your attitude. And let me tell you something. Attitude and motives are everything sometimes, I think. And, you know, you can see sometimes people can have an attitude. They can really have an attitude. And so we need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to have a, a bad attitude, but that we have the mind or the attitude of Jesus Christ. In any and every situation that we face, we can have that attitude. We can have that mindset. If someone's mean to you, kill them with kindness. Don't punch them in the mouth. Because the first thing we want to do is fight back don't we? Kill them with kindness. Maybe I shouldn't use that word kill. Um, treat them with kindness. <laughs> you might take that too literally. <laughs> well, I killed them with kindness. Bob said to do that. You know. <laughs> okay, I take that back. Don't treat them with kindness. <laughs> what is the mind of Christ like? What is the mind of Christ like? Well, the mind of Christ is like-minded with the Heavenly Father's mind. The mind of Christ is full of love, overflowing love, unconditional love. That's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not selfish, as that passage says there. It's selfless. The mind of Christ is a humble mind, not arrogant. The mind of Christ is an obedient mind, you know, the mind of Christ is a servant's mind. That's everything that he's talking about here, what Paul says. 
to have that attitude, that mind in you, that mind of Christ. You know, Paul's great exhortation was to let this mind be your mind, that mind to be in you. That's what he says to us. It is when this mind is our mind that God is renovating that space up here. And we all need it. We all need some renovation. But the renovation of our mind sometimes does not come easy. Remember what the scripture said? The scripture said the spirit is willing, but, I hate that but in there. What what did you say? But the flesh is weak. That's right. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The enemy, and we have an enemy, guys. The enemy would rather us have immoral, unfruitful, filthy minds. That's what he wants. The mind is a battlefield. (laughs) And it will be until we step across that threshold into the Lord's arms. The transformation and renewing of our minds begins when we begin to take control of our thoughts. And I think that's a really important thing. Paul tells us about that. You know, and I think Paul must have struggled with that as well because, you know, he was just like us in many ways. And so Paul tells us, he says something about this. If you, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this is what he says to us. Paul talking about this concept of transformation, of renewing our minds when we begin to take control of our thoughts. Here's what he says in, in verses 1 through 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when you, that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Wow. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power. Did you notice that? We have divine power. That's, that's important. We have divine power to diminish or to demolish, not diminish, definitely, to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretensions that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And he, notice what he says here, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And the only way that you can take captive anything is through a struggle. That's just not going to come easy, is it? And so it's going to be a struggle, but, but you can do it because of what it said earlier. We have power. You know, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we can take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your o- obedience is complete. He tells us to, to take every thought captive. You know, does anyone know what a sieve is? A sieve. 
You know, it, it's like a, a strainer. You know, okay. It, it separates solids from liquids. You know, that's, that's what it does. Well, this is the sieve of renewing your mind right there. You know, if we, if we capture every thought and we bring it to the feet of Jesus or to the foot of the cross, our minds will become renewed to become like-minded with Jesus Christ. That's a struggle. That, that's a fight. That is a battle for all of us. But you see, when we do that, we must be ready to replace those thoughts with something that is Christ-like. And guess what? Paul gives us the answer to that. He tells us what we can do to replace it. He says over in the book of Philippians, again, I'm sorry I'm going back and forth here, but, but it's important because he tells us how we can do that, how we can sieve those things out. And we, we take those pieces of chunk that, that can't go through the sieve and we throw that away and we just have that right there. And here's what Paul tells us we can do. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, he says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Woo! Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. <clears throat> Breaking old habits cannot happen unless you put something good in its place. You can't, it just isn't going to happen. If we will renew our minds in this fashion, think what it will do for our speech. No more gossiping, for, for, for gossiping is not of the mind of Christ. No more hurtful words, for hurtful words are not of the mind of Christ. No more lusting after something you don't have. You know, no, no more greedy thoughts. No more me first thoughts. And you could go on and on and on with that. So what I'm going to say to you is this. Let this year be the year you begin to renew your minds in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that you haven't already done that. Continue to do that then. The second thing that we want to talk about this morning is this. We need to renew our life by renewing not just our minds, but we need to renew our life by renewing our strength. This is also one of my uh, probably Old Testament favorite passages of Scripture, and, and I know you have read this one before, but it's taken from Isaiah chapter 40. So if you want to turn to Isaiah, real quick there, Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to read verses 28 through 31 for you. Here's what it says. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. I'm glad that he doesn't because I do. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope 
in the Lord. They will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I think that's a picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. That we will not grow weary. We will not faint. We will have the strength and we won't have it just for a period of time and then lose it and then get it back and then lose it. We will have it always. God gives us the option of living life in our own strength because we are not puppets on a string. We have free will, which results in fainting and weariness and falling. Or we could choose the option of waiting on his strength to renew our strength which enables us to soar in life as we are intended to do and to run and to keep running without fainting. I remember back in my late 40s and my early 50s, I ran a lot. That's when I spent a lot of time in prayer to the Lord. I did marathons. I did 5Ks. I did 10Ks. I did, I ran a lot. And then I blew my knees out. Couldn't do it anymore. But I want to tell you, I can remember there were days when I could just run and run and run. Almost like I had stole something and someone was trying to get me, you know. (laughs) I just kept running. And then I'm thinking, oh, I I could just keep doing this. And then I stopped and I'd go back to the house and then I realized, wow, maybe I overdid it. (laughs) Maybe I ran too much because I was tired. I'd be pooped out and I couldn't couldn't do anything. I'd be done. I'd have to go up and I'd get in the shower and I'd, I'd take a shower and it was like, Holy cow. Wow. That's part of human life, though. But this strength that God's talking about here, you know, we can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not be faint. You know, in our strength, we are unable, but in God's strength, we are able. We are absolutely able. The Apostle Paul knew exactly what this meant. When he said this, I want to turn back over to Corinthians again because that's where Paul talks a lot. And in, in 2 Corinthians, we were just there at chapter 10, but now go over to chapter 12 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what he says in verses 7 through 10. He says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away from me, take this away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I like that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in in, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But it's not according to Paul's power. It's according to the power that is found in Jesus Christ. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. For when we are weak, then we are truly strong. Our strength is renewed when we lose our desire to trust in man and to let God have control. Let him be the pilot. The heck with this, this, this co-pilot stuff. Just give it over to him. Let him take control. 
You know, if we have stood in the, in the midst of hard times in, in this past year, perhaps it's because we tried to stand on our own strength. But also, perhaps God was trying to say to us, Bob, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Trust in me. Take Take my grace upon you. Max Cleland, he served as Secretary of State and he also served as a senator. Max lost one of his arms and both of his legs during the Vietnam War. He wrote a book entitled Strong at Broken Places. This is what he had to say in his book. He said, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humility and be obedient. I asked for health that I might do greater things, greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. (laughs) Interesting. That I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men and I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life and I was given life that I might be able to enjoy all things. Some wisdom to that. I got nothing that I asked for but everything that I had hoped for, he said. Almost despite myself... My unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men richly blessed. This is a man who had both of his legs taken in Vietnam War and one of his arms. And he says that. He says, I among all men am richly blessed. Let this year be the year that we renew our strength in him and to view God as the psalmist viewed God in Psalm 37, 39. This is what he says. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. God gives us the strength that we need. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. For when I am weak, that's when I am strong. And then the third thing that I want to share with you this morning, and this is this be it, is that we, we need to renew our life by renewing our steadfastness. Again, if you want to turn over to Psalm 51, um, I'm going to read from Psalm 51. And this is what it says. Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Wow. You know, there was a small boy that was standing by a horse that was tied to a post and a stranger came by and asked the boy this. He said, can that horse run fast? And the boy looked at him and says, well, I don't know, but I, one thing I know for sure is that he sure can stand fast. 
That's what he was doing. You know, David's desire was to, to be as this horse was, to, to be steadfast or to be faithful to God in all of his ways. That's what he wanted. You know, a, a great sin that plagues the church today is unfaithfulness to God and a non-committed attitude towards his church. That plagues the church, folks. And that church is who his son died for. Steadfastness is faithfulness. That's what it is. Steadfastness is faithfulness. It is the quality of reliability, trustworthiness, which makes a person one on whom we can completely rely upon and whose word will stand. And we can completely rely upon Jesus and we can completely rely upon his word. Absolutely. Be assured, you can rely upon God, but can God rely upon you and me? That's a question that only you as an individual, me as an individual, that's all, we, we're the only ones that can answer that. Can he rely on us to love others the way he does? Can he rely on us to be obedient to his word and to his commandments? Can he rely on us to be here at church on a regular basis? It starts with the little things and it works to the bigger things. Can he rely on us to serve in the capacity that would be pleasing to him? Can he rely on us? And see, that's only a question that each of us as individuals can answer. The Apostle Paul and the writer of Hebrews talks a little bit about this. Let me just share with you real quick again, and then we'll be, we're almost done here, but I got a good story I want to share with you in the end here that I think is, that you're going to, it's going to be meaningful to you. But 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'll take time getting there so you can join me if you want. He says this. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so here's what I say to you who serve the Lord. Know that your work, your, your diligence is not in vain. God is blessing you. God is being blessed by you. So be encouraged and all the more so as we see that day approaching, be encouraged that you are doing something for the Lord. It's not for yourself or for me or for anybody else. It's for the Lord. And then he tells us in Hebrews, and I like, I like this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. The renewing of our steadfast spirit comes when you and I, number one, 
lay down every weight and sin that causes us to stumble. And that's not easy to do, but we can do it. Number two, if we run with endurance, you know, not in our own strength. And number three, and most important of all, number three, is that we look to Jesus, that we keep on looking to Jesus, that we fix our eyes, that we set our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's that's how we get there. It's all about Jesus. So let this year be the year we become more faithful to be steadfast to God, to His church, and to His Word. In closing this morning, and if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read that passage at the, at the end of this, but I wanted to just share a, a story with you. The Reverend Olin McLean shared an illustration about the 15th century leader of Russia. He was Ivan the Great. I don't know if you've heard of Ivan the Great. The story goes like this, that Ivan the Great brought the warring tribes of Russia together to form a vast empire that would, would um, know today, is, is known today as the old Soviet Union. He was so busy fighting and building his kingdom that he didn't take time to get married. Naturally, this meant there would be no heir to his throne. So a group of his most trusted advisors approached him regarding this issue. He told them to find him a suitable wife that he could marry. Well, wouldn't it just be so easy, you know? <laughs> you guys go out and find me a wife, okay, and that'll be all right. You know, but make sure she's, you know, make sure I can look at her. You know, make sure she's, she's decent looking there. So the committee chose the daughter of the king of Greece. Her father was delighted and agreed to the marriage with one stipulation. There was only one stipulation. Ivan must become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Ivan was, uh, Ivan the Great agreed to the wedding and, 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 and the wedding date was set. He agreed to all of that. So in order to become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church, Ivan had to learn from their catechism in church, their, their teachings, their, their, like their Sunday school. He had to learn from them. So 500 of his elite soldiers and the palace guard and every loyal leader decided they too would be baptized. So the church dispatched the priest to teach Ivan and his soldiers the catechisms of the church. When they had learned them, they set off to Greece for the baptism and for the marriage. Upon their arrival in Greece, just as Ivan and his soldiers were about to be baptized, a problem came up. Of course, you know, in situations like that, nothing can ever go smoothly. A problem surfaced. The church didn't allow professional soldiers to be baptized. They would have to give up their commitment to bloodshed. They could not be church members and soldiers too. So a round of diplomacy quickly took place and a compromise was reached. It was decided that just before the moment of baptism occurred, Ivan and his soldiers would reach down and unsheath their swords and hold them upwards to heaven. And when they were submerged, when they were baptized, everything was baptized except for their arms. Their arms would, would be left unbaptized. So in essence, in essence the, the soldiers agreed to surrendering everything to Christ except their unbaptized arms holding their swords. 
I fear that this story personifies the spiritual problem plaguing America today. We have allowed people who are not totally surrendered to Christ to infiltrate the ranks of our churches and our society, and we are allowing them to shape our moral values. Too many individuals, too many churches, too many homes, too many businesses, and governments are being led by people who belong to the church of the unbaptized arms. They profess their loyalty to the Lord, biblical teachings, and the church, while simultaneously holding tightly to something they are unwilling to surrender, while demanding the church to compromise, sadly, as with Ivan and his soldiers, compromise is the order of the day. And I think that is so right. Brother Olin went on to say, you know, he, he, he talked about an evangelist, who came to preach a sermon on total commitment to the congregation of a small country church. The pastor, a beloved man who had served God for many years, was deeply disturbed by the sermon. That night, he, he, was, he could not sleep. The next morning when he woke up, his wife asked him, you were so restless, what was going on? And he told her that he was trying to discover what it was in his life he had not totally surrendered to God. He said, around 3 a.m., I made peace with God and I surrendered my hound dog to him. (laughs) He says, you see, the hound dog and hunting, they were his unbaptized arms. (laughs) He says, "I, I wonder if anyone reading this column today is a member of the church of the unbaptized arms. Unbaptized arms have many different names and characteristics, but in reality, whatever stands between us and God becomes our unbaptized arms. And I want you to know this, folks. God demands total surrender. You know, for many, this new year, 2022, will be a year of believing and following the trends of the flesh, hoping to make it a year of relying on the almighty dollar and trusting in ourselves. However, I'm not saying that about you. I'm just saying that as a whole. However, we have the opportunity and the ability through the power of Jesus Christ to make this year a year of renewal of our minds, of our strength, and of our steadfastness, of our faithfulness to Him. It can happen only by completely surrendering ourselves to the Lord. Peter tells us this in 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. That's where we stand on the threshold of this new year. And I pray that we will surrender to him everything that keeps us from being his servants. Amen.